0: Good afternoon, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep, a podcast about movies and friendship. I'm your host, Alex Falcone, recording, as always, in North Koreatown, Los Angeles. Ezra and Hunter are both away again this week because apparently, in whatever jobs they do, there is unlimited vacation time in August, and so they're gone again. And so we will be watching Avengers Will It Ever End?" Game next week. We've postponed that one more week. Um, And again, if you want, this time, for real this time, you can watch us watch that movie on Tuesday, August 9th on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Turtles. One of the newest partners in uh, the Twitch universe, Space Guys Beast Turtles, will be hosting our stream, and we will be watching Endgame. And you can watch along with us if you have Disney Plus. We'll like link that all up. We haven't practiced. I'm sure it'll work flawlessly the first time. That's how streaming goes. Um, But instead uh, of doing that this week, we are bringing you our second. And probably last episode in the Accidental series, Still Processing, where um, we watch a blockbuster. I watch a blockbuster, and I'm not sure how to feel about it. So I process it in real time with the help of two of my smart friends. Um, Let me introduce those friends to you. First up, he's at Anthony Lopez, part two on Twitter. He's in Southeast Portland. He doesn't sail boats, Penny. He lands on them. It's Anthony Lopez.
1: Hey, great to be here. Alex, excited to be your wingman on this adventure
0: today. Oh, yeah. Wingman. um, as we go I don't actually commit. understand how wingmen work. I cause there were well, like to pick up chicks, dude. It's very <laughs> simple. That's
1: why that's why they go and, you know, one, you think the planes would help pick up the chicks alone. Right? It's a very impressive not 1000000 no, like, Yeah, i mean, I've yeah. heard they love planes. Yeah, you show up to a bow in an F-15. But the thing is, um, <laughs> you know, when we're gonna be out there we're gonna be looking for going against mag Meg Fives, uh, fifth generation fighters. And you're gonna yeah. need all the help we can
0: get. So the, the 5G of airplanes, the they're just they keep, every year they put out a new one, and we're like, we have all these 4G planes. We're still they work mm-hmm. fine. They're not even slowing down. Why do I have to get a fifth generation fighter? I mean, um, that's
1: the danger of being enemies with um
0: non named, undistinct country of origin. Um, <laughs> you know, we when, really when shouldn't you, have sold all these weapon systems to unnamed country. That unnamed seems like country, that all
1: their soldiers wear nothing but solid black, so you can't see any facial features.
0: Not or even details. a tiny bit of skin anywhere. They wear a Star Wars costumes. Yeah. Let me bring in our other panels today. Um, you may remember him from episode 34, The Lightning Thief. And what we like to do with with, with Tim is bring him back every six hundred or so episodes, yeah, just to check on him, see how he's doing. He's a screenwriter, friend of the show, at Tim Dufresne on Twitter. Please welcome back Tim Dufresne. Hello, hey buddy. I
2: I take uh, the regularity that I'm
0: on this show as a sign of how well I did on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I will say there's other there's people we have not invited back. Um, And I definitely have invited you back in the meantime and just when you couldn't schedule it and then like I got distracted. And
1: I honestly, I would think I would take it a lot like think about the movie we're talking about today, right? Uh You are the legacy sequel of Podcast guests. Oh, that's so true! There's a huge gap and then it's like, all right, we're going to bring him back. We're going to hit a lot of the same
0: beats we did the first time. You were a student on that podcast. Now you're the teacher. Yeah, exactly. You know,
1: this is the... This is what Hollywood's all about now. Legacy sequels.
0: Such and a good point. That, you True. know, it couldn't have been more appropriate. Um, this episode, as always, is brought to you by all of our fabulous meat buddies whose financial <laughs> contributions via the Patreon keep us doing the show long after it should have been retired. If you'd like to join them and keep this show limping down the tracks, you can go to metreon.com and we really appreciate everybody who supports the show. OK, before we start talking about this movie, though, uh, let's talk a little bit about the news. Um, oh, yeah. Something going on. There's one thing going on that I, I know Anthony and I have been texting about. Um, I don't know if you've been following this story, Tim. Uh, but y- you may recall last year, uh, Discovery Channel bought Warner Brothers, which does not on its face sound like how that should have worked. I would have mm-hmm. thought Discovery was smaller than Warner Brothers. But no, no. it It gobbled it up. And we found out this week what that might mean when they just started canceling shit. I was just reading about this. That
2: girl just got canceled,
0: even though it cost ninety million dollars to make. Ninety million, not just not just that—that's the projected cost. They have already spent ninety million, and they were like, "The best financial decision is to just walk away or fly away." In this case, and we will we will
1: certainly know more tomorrow. So by the time this comes out, more stuff will be known. But the big um, they're having a big meeting to talk about sort of plans tomorrow, and that is where. You know, this is definitely a sign for a lot of the rumors about what's happening with HBO Max, which is yes. uh, they're taking it out back and shooting, putting two slugs in the back of the head is the like rumor. easily the second um, most
0: success, successful streaming service for a long time, yeah. maybe top three, at least. I guess Disney Plus came in, but one of the most successful streaming services and they were like, what if this was just naked people who are afraid? Yeah. Yeah. What if, it was just what if we just Boy completely Island, you know? eliminated all of the prestige television and moved entirely to unscripted Discovery Channel programming? And look, yeah. I should say, I'm not a big fan of comic book movies, and I am a fan of every show about weirdos digging for gold in Alaska. So this seems like it should be perfect for me. And yet mm. I feel I feel like bummed for this background movie that I would not have ever watched. But yeah, like, it, this it seems it's, sad.
1: It's certainly not a great look, especially when, you know, they're like backing Still saying the Flash is coming out, which has you know this um, very problematic lead, and then this movie with has like a people in colors in the lead and a people of color yeah. directing team. Uh, they cancel that. They also announced that they are canceling uh, the Scooby Doo hol- Halloween movie that was supposed to right, come out this got, October. It got
0: dogs in the lead—that's um, an important demographic.
1: But that also was apparently ninety-five percent done, um, think, or somewhere think, around that.
0: I'm much less disappointed about the loss of Scoob exclamation point colon holiday hunt yeah, I mean, I, or and, holiday haunt. I feel like that was not going to be good. Batgirl had some potential, but yeah, Scoob holiday haunt doesn't seem like it was going to be great.
1: But I mean, still it's the idea of letting people get this. I mean, this is how nobody sets out to make a bad movie. And even if Scoob's right. not going to be great, this is still years of people's lives working on something that is essentially now Warner Brothers is like, uh well this is gonna be a massive tax write off like years of your life <laughs> for something that is going to be vaulted and gonna be a huge tax write off for the company and um, no
0: matter how bad a movie a is it was at least thirty people's biggest break ever yeah yeah and then it's to a, have
2: a oh, it's it's career burning. death sentence for the people who wrote it and directed it and produced it because if you if you made something that the production team or the 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 studio that made Morbius put out <laughs>
0: And your thing wasn't good enough to even put out. <laughs> mm. Mor- Morbius was released twice to Batgirls Zero Times. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, and this then... is the studio <laughs> that released like the original Suicide Squad and yeah, other bad better. movies. So bad. the fact that Well that, that this movie one... made money though. That yeah, movie that's did true. make money. Even though yeah. all the
2: critics hated it. But yeah. they that movie was a train wreck that they that they gave to another well they when they released it they had um given the the cut to the people who did the trailer for it yes I guess.
1: and they cut and it. and then they released mm. that and
2: you know i didn't like it a lot of people didn't like it it did make money but the thing that blows my mind about this Batgirl thing is how they're like it's not even worth releasing yeah. when their
0: pedigree doesn't seem Yeah, extremely. So,
2: you know, one thing that's weird about this
0: from like doing reading, doing some research about this is that there are conflicting stories about it. Like the Variety article insists or says that the studio insists that the decision has nothing to do with quality of the film Mm. or commitment Mm. to the filmmakers. And then other stories are like the test screenings were so bad they're doing this and it is really hard to know which is the truth right now. Yeah, but and, it's also like, hard to imagine you could make a comic book movie that could test so bad you don't release it because it seems like it would like all of them have made money anyway.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the there fact was... that uh, oh, the fact that sorry, the fact that um Michael Keaton is in
1: it,
0: yes, I mean yeah. that feels is like enough, enough.
2: You could have get my eleven dollars. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, sorry, they would. Uh, this is always supposed to be a Max, but
0: you, uh, an HBO Max movie, but right. like.
1: I mean, the so magical thing. thing. Yeah, to explain
0: that, sorry, just to not do that as an aside. So supposedly, so this was designed to go straight to streaming, yeah. um, which Warner Brothers did with everything, but this was going to not also be in theaters. And supposedly what Discovery Channel says is that they want to do like just theatrical blockbusters, which is so funny that they're like, we're look, we hate this part where it's kind of like kind of fun in the middle. We want to do only Naked and Afraid and $200 million blockbusters in theaters. Yeah. We don't want to do anything in between those.
1: Yeah. And you know, like ninety million is like there's still a long way to go, right? Right. Like, so it's like it's like the yeah, uh, they spent ninety million dollars to complete a movie, but who knows how many more millions they would have to do in special effects, scoring, um, mm, editing, post production stuff, you know? But, but it's let, 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 let me see that, the saddest like,
0: part about this that you mentioned to me, Anthony, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, Brendan Fraser and Michael Keaton. Ma- Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton. amazing. Brendan Fraser as the villain, that actually is a that's an appealing film now. Yeah, but Michael Keaton, okay, was
1: paid to come back for Batman, as far as I'm aware, for three movies. Uh, this, The Flash, and Aquaman. Uh, because mm. The Flash got all fucked up, they have to reshoot all of his – they cut him out of Aquaman, refilming all <laughs> of the Batman stuff with Ben Affleck, because The Flash is what's supposed to be what reboots the universe and how we get Michael Keaton. So it wouldn't make any sense if he just showed up. I mean, the whole thing is just such so weird. a mess. And it does a definitely mess. feel like... Uh, like all Okay, the people from Discovery, they bought one of those. And all Discovery people got pit in charge. And it really feels to me like very much sort of like an ego trip. Like, we built Discovery. We did not build HBO. We did right. not build HBO Max so we don't we built TV about this. Yeah, and the fact that they're like, it's much cheaper to, you know, make unscripted uh bad reality shows. And it's... And the good like, ones I, about gold mining. Yeah, I get that. That's probably a lot of money in that, but HBO Max for all the streaming services, like, we've definitely talked about it. It's definitely probably my favorite streaming service. It has the best catalog of films, I think. Yeah. And then shows like Hacks, Peacemaker, Earth Flag Means Death have been yeah. some of my favorite shows of the last year. And yeah. now that they like, they might still just go to regular HBO. I mean, if they're going to get saved, that's where they're going to he- um end up. I saw yeah, today that HBO yet. Max has pulled seven movies that were made for HBO Max, and they are now just unavailable. They are just gone off huh. the Internet. Um well so so, so
0: that's that's the one a part real bummer. That, that's one part that they said is that they're not going to do shows just HBO Max but they could be TV shows which like yeah. Hacks was originally straight to Max but then people liked it and so they did put it on TV sometimes. So I don't know where any of that falls but like I don't know I have friends who work on that show and I would like and I like it and I would like very much if Hacks got continued. Um so that would be a huge bummer. It also seems like HBO Max is where they were testing and they were putting giving experience to underrepresented communities like the 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 straight to streaming is where they were putting uh like you you mentioned with backroll but also like hacks is like had like two female leads and not and like a woman over 30, like that's already yeah, a weird I mean, choice. The You're most have disenfranchised to group in the world, women comedians, right? Well, <laughs> True. I mean like, so also like our flag means death is like a show that means a lot to the gay community. And like to have those shows and be like, look, we're, we're bringing all these people in. Uh, that's not for us anymore. We're going to get rid of all of those groups. That feels bad. Also, the smallest part about this, not the most important, but this is the thing that I'm also scared of, is they claim that it seems like they're going to get rid of the HBO Max app and just make a tab in Discovery+. Plus. Yes. And I don't know if you guys have ever opened Discovery+, Plus, but that app is a nightmare. Really? Because so many of their shows are awful. When you open it, the hero image is almost always of a show that makes me physically ill to think about, like... Every time you open Discovery Plus, it's like the splashed image across the top is like, I found a bug in my pimple. And then there's like a close up of pulling bugs out of pimple. Like every time it's something Mm. absolutely horrifying that I can't. There's a lot of like people have sex with ghosts and like anyway, everything about it is nuts. And so the idea of going there and then being like, but I would like to see Game of Thrones. Click, 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 click. And then you go over to the like good TV section just sounds so wild.
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like, especially because they, they just they're still unrolling HBO Max in new markets, right? Like people right. got HBO Max literally last week in some countries, <laughs> yes. and it, they're already just gonna trash it. Great I mean, we news. talked about this a little bit last week after we went off the air because we were talking about Nope and um, yeah, attached to the Prince of Nope. Was uh op- the trailer for Oppenheimer, Chris Nolan's yes. new movie? Yeah, and yeah. And we yeah. were sort of talking about how weird it is to see a Universal logo in front of an uh, a Nolan movie, right? Yeah. And Nolan, his house was Warner Brothers for almost yeah. twenty years, right? The fact that he made them billions of dollars for a long time, it definitely seemed like they want never wanted to lose that relationship. He's like, there's like five directors. Who's like, their names are the movie stars of their movie, right? It's like Nolan, mm-hmm. Spielberg, Tarantino, Jordan Peele now. um, There's not a lot of people in that place. There's a lot Auteurs. of famous directors, yeah. but yeah, those right, ones yeah. that, like, you put their name on the poster, that gets people's butts in your seats. And Warner's had them locked up. And it's very funny to see this happening now and to be like, oh, did Nolan kind of see this writing on the wall a few years ago, and that's why he left Warner Brothers. I like, thought he stormed out because they, they would let him. They go. put
0: his movie on HBO Max. I well, thought they yeah. were. He was mad about streaming existing. Well, he was mad about the
1: like that one year deal to put uh, all of their movies right, right, on right the yeah, yeah. streaming first, which is also like something they they're gonna not, they're not doing anymore.
0: But I but I like I still like he was so upset about that that I still feel like we should all watch Nolan movies on our phones just to annoy him because he was so weird about that. Like, come on, man. What? (laughs) I tend to agree with him. I think
2: something is definitely
0: lost when you watch him. It's a lot of stuff is lost. And I think I should be able to choose how much to get rid of so that it's convenient for me. I, yeah, mean, like I, I, I think okay, And people have repeatedly with, made clear that they do not care about quality. Like th- yeah. the iPod fixed this a long time ago. We were like, do people care about the quality of their audio or do they care about having it in their pocket? A hundred percent pocket. But and I, see, ju- I feel I, like the same thing with, with movies is like, I think it's better in theaters. Also not going to go very often. HBO yeah, Max mm-hmm. going to watch it a lot. So it's my choice to see this or not. Like I feel like that should be that would be lovely, but if it's his choice that I only see it in his world or not at all, that feels like kind of a jerk move.
1: I mean, he's not saying I'm only going to release Tenant only in theaters and no
0: other medium ever. That's not what he was saying. You're misconstruing it. I mean, it it. is kind of what he was saying. Like that, any watching it at home at all is like immoral. Well, it does hurt
2: the box office, the money. Yeah, you know, I mean, look at Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They said explicitly. We're going to give this a theatrical release, and then they released the same day on their streaming service because they're trying to pump up their streaming service. Yeah, and you know, it looks like that is hurting the box office across the board. And I mean, why to go to a movie if you know in a couple of weeks
0: it's going to be for free streaming? Yeah, the wildest I mean, thing about is- that Scarlett Johansson thing, um, is that they are like still probably going to work together again, like, you could have massive lawsuits with your bosses and then just keep working with them again. And that does sort of seem like maybe a red flag that this is not a healthy industry for us to be in.
2: Well, they probably assumed she was going to sue them when they made the decision. And that was factored in the cost. That's
1: well, I mean, just that's, not, also... that's just not a good, that's, we shouldn't be that way. We've talked about, <laughs> I mean, so Zalvik, the new head of Warner brothers, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I've never actually heard it said out loud, but no, I've only read he, it. We've, he definitely needs to enter the conversation about – we've talked a lot about Bob Chapic on this show, the new head of Disney, right? Yeah. He is the guy who got in the lawsuit and refused to pay Skildjian. He's the guy making a lot of horrible decisions over at Disney and yeah. really being a penny pincher and really, like, cutting budgets and fucking people over. Um, so I think he has a new competitor
0: in the ring. The yeah, new head of Warner Brothers. These the head two. of Warner Brothers is like famously willing to fire people who have put in a lot of work already because he did that with CNN Plus a couple months yeah. ago, if you remember. Again, a thing I don't really care that much about, but like people had worked to get this network off the ground. Six days after it launched, he was like, ah, it's cheaper as a tax write off and canned the entire existing like got rid of the whole network, all the shows, all the people had worked on it. Like he is famously uh, willing to just cut people and stuff and that's also is, very that funny is probably good for investors and scary for me as we were talking about works.
1: this last week about how endgame the way the marvel has been like the mcu was built off the back of like c-list heroes right right yeah. but they still made it the most successful things batgirl no matter how you feel
0: about her it's definitely at least a B plus yeah, hero. Would say right? Literally B, everyone sure. knows who Batgirl is, right? Well, this you is know that, you what's so she's... great about the Bat franchise is I don't have to know about it, but if you put Bat in front of it, I assume it's B list or better. Like if you yeah. do Bat Dog, I'm immediate I get it. I understand this this is Bat street corner. I understand what that street corner is. Like yeah, you, but the, you, the brand that is so good it can drag everything up to B. They can't even
1: get their B list heroes through the finish line. It's, it's just crazy. insane. Did you hear um, how the directors found out that this was happening? Did you oh, read that no. news story?
0: No, but I hate it already. Um,
1: they, uh, one of them is a directing team. They worked on Bad, Bo- Bad Boys for Life, made the few episodes of Miss Marvel, the two best episodes of Miss Marvel. Uh, very, very talented young team of directors. Um, one of them was getting married uh, oh. yesterday. Oh, no. And uh, they had left to go get married. And then they oh. were like, Well, we're gonna get back to work on Monday. Uh and they found out uh pre or during That's or slightly funny. after the wedding oh. that their movie is literally getting um uh what's the Jerry Lewis movie that was canned forever? The day the clown cried. It's getting the day it's the clown, clown cried. cried. Yeah. yeah. It's getting shoved in a vault, Brutal. never to be see. Years of your life. Years of your life. A movie you have finished spent Possibly longer than this relationship. Yeah. Yeah, Man, it's getting that's a memorable a wedding game. gift. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just I what mean, a way to find out. Oh, that's so awful. Okay, let's wrap up on the news. We got to talk about this movie. Well, um, um, can I actually say I think
1: this is a, a very good segue, not the wedding thing, but what we were we talking about earlier? Um, the movie that sort of proves Nolan's point better than anything else. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, which is the movie we're going to talk about today. Uh-huh. Uh, but the way proved, that this movie that you should go see it in the theater. Well, no, that this movie was um, Paramount really wanted to send this movie to streaming. Right. Mm. They fought and Tom Cruise would not allow it. He said right. it was like, absolutely not. I will leave if you guys send this to streaming. He believed in his vision. He believed that this deserved to be seen on a big yeah. screen and not since James Cameron said. Yeah, take my Titanic salary. I'll just take some more back end points. Uh-huh. Not since that has a bet on yourself paid off better.
0: That's right. True. Like and this I, movie, I, you, you gotta know Tom Cruise is not always one hundred percent with that because he felt similarly with the new Mummy movie. He yeah, backed I mean, he himself did, real hard on that one.
1: Yeah, he but he didn't. That's that's a different thing than this. Yeah. Right? But this was like
0: this movie, movie has gone on yeah, to I'd not like only be
1: the highest grossing movie of his career. It's the biggest movie of the year. It's going to be very, very hard for anything to beat it. It is something that still... I mean, I re-saw this movie last night. Almost a packed house. At the theater I woke at, until we lost it, it was packed screenings. Every showing of every day. Um, And I think that like, the fact that he knew that... This movie, I think, is very refreshing. I think especially when you compare it to a lot of like Marvel movies. Especially the ones... That have come out this year that all look like they were shot on in a big room on a volume somewhere. Uh, were, I absolutely understand were, yeah. why this movie has been such a huge success in giving people something that is tangible and real and exciting. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's this. This is a great, great example of what a theatrical run can do for a movie and your experience for a movie. This is the best example I can think and, of.
0: Just to give you a little preview, I'm also like kind of depressed about it. So let's talk about that when we start the game. All right, it's time for segment two, the game. This week, it's not really the game. This week, it's uh, still processing. This is time to process. Is um, the game. We watched, it's still kind of a game. We watched Top Gun Maverick, the 2022 American action drama film directed by joseph kaczynski a deep sequel as previously mentioned to the 1986 film top gun um fun fact named because the guns on planes are on the top yeah um that's not also i think
1: you should have to say the 2020 then 2021 then 2022 (laughs) movie top gun maverick
0: the the movie of all of the 2020s so far, Top Gun mm-hmm. Maverick, starring Tom Cruise, Miles Teller, who we know from Whiplash, mm-hmm. Jennifer Connelly, John ha- John Hamm, obviously from 30 Rock, mm-hmm. uh, Glenn Powell, Lewis Pullman, and not starring as much as it should have been, Ed Harris and Val Kilmer. Both got hey, very little screen time, possibly the, as much as they could afford. But
1: I don't think it's an affording thing. I think uh, Val gave literally probably all he physically could. I mean, yeah. He is um, the fact that he's in this at all, and uh, I think it's one of the best scenes in the movie is like great. pretty it's incredible amazing. Scene. Like, I, yeah. It's, yeah. I find it very, very touching.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, and I, we're not doing so obviously, we're going to spoil this because we're going to talk about it, but we're not going to do a beat by beat summary. So I'm going to give you the, the a nano summary just to catch you up. Um, the things you need to know without spoiling anything too bad is that Tom Cruise is still an asshole and a good pilot. Uh, and now he has to go back to pilot school, but instead of the being a student, he's now the teacher, and also he has to kiss a human woman in a very convincing, real human kiss with mouths and stuff. Tom Cruise's favorite thing to do in movies. Mm-hmm. Tom, Tom Cruise is a very good actor, I think, uh, but cannot convincingly look like he's enjoying kissing a woman, is my experience. And he and right, he only does it once. So there's like there's an almost kiss, and then he was like, no, definitely not. And then at the end of the movie, he's like, fine, I have to kiss her one well, time. I mean, but- especially so. Uh, I think this movie, of all the
1: legacy sequels that have been made over the last like 10 years, I I definitely think this is the best. And one of the reasons why I think it's a very good legacy sequel is if it avoids a lot of the pitfalls or does those pitfalls in much smarter ways, most legacy sequels are filled with like, okay, so it's basically going to be the same movie as the original, but with the younger generation and it's going to have just a shit ton of callbacks, shit ton of references. That's so really no purpose. But what I really like about this movie is that it does the same thing, but all of the callbacks, all of the references to the original are there to be juxtaposed with the original to show you how this man has changed in the 20, 30 mm. years, right? So, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people make fun of the kind of the sex scene, as it were. Or the sort of like the kissing in this movie, but yeah. the thing I love about it is if you rewatch the original, the original has a very very iconic sex scene in which Tom Cruise shoves his tongue into this woman's lungs. Like you can see, because it's all in silhouette, and you can just Ugh. see Tom Cruise's mouth
0: literally Ugh. cleaning the inside of this woman's lungs.
1: And it's a very- few
0: things that are more fun to do and less fun to describe than kissing. Yeah, there there um, is not a you cannot describe a kiss in a way that doesn't horrify me, but I don't mind doing it. Yeah, just wet flesh yeah. smacking, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, just is- put your eat hole on her eat hole and then rub it yeah. about. But I love Aren't you work. writing an erotica novel soon, Alice? I'm wor- I've been a... working on an erotica for a long time, and famously, not doing the erotica part myself. can't do it. Only gross.
1: call them eat holes. You have to promise me at least
0: once <laughs> you will call a mouth an eat hole.
1: She pit her eat hole.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's actually a good way to write an erotica, is yeah. just like with everything described uh, as like clinically way. as possible, or just as gross as you possibly oh, yeah. could. The yeah. clinical yeah. term, <laughs> eat hole. <laughs> but my point I was trying to make. Look, I'm not a doctor. I'm a pilot. Was in this
1: movie. I'm not a pilot. The way that, like, if you juxtapose the two sex scenes, it's he's. It shows like this level of maturity that the thing the movie focuses on is like the conversation afterwards. Yeah, as like yeah. this very intimate moment, and I think that like the scene by itself in a vacuum is all right, but if you juxtapose it with the original and what it was used for there, and what this is used for here, I think it's just such smart screenwriting that this movie is filled with. Right? Yeah. Like I know we'll get into the military propaganda. We're gonna get there. You yeah, know, we're gonna get there. I'm a massive leftist. I fucking hate the military. I hate the armed forces. I think if they do one good thing, make one good piece of art, I'll be like, all right, at least you guys made this. With all the other okay. horrible
0: shit you did, at least Top so- Gun Maverick was made. <laughs> yeah. So that's the exact decision making process that I'm trying to process today is like, do I feel that same way? And my general feeling is that no, I was too overwhelmed by the dislike of what was happening on it. That like, I felt like if this was not a real world, if like this was an entirely made up thing, if if this was a video game, even I'd be like, what a fun thing. The movie is a very, I think a well-written, well-done like almost all the pieces of it are good. I have uh, a few nits that I'm going to pick because that's fun for me, but like generally a very good movie. If we lived in a vacuum and unfortunately we don't, and I was not able to suspend, not disbelief, but like distaste. I couldn't suspend my distaste for the entire, for most of the movie um, because it is so disgusting what they're actually doing with all of this. But let's, let's come back to that dwell on the positives for a little bit longer. Um, I uh, I enjoy a lot of those decisions you're talking about. I think up the way they updated it is smart. I think it still does a little bit of like it still does push a few callbacks in a way that I don't entirely believe. The fact that Goose's son plays the same song that Goose played in the same way that he played it in a bar when Goose's son would have been much too young to be hanging out with him in bars at the time and to have well, learned he that is there he, in the mo- original. He's in the bar with them hanging out as they how play. Old, the but song. How old is he? 'Cause there, he's like six or seven, something like that. Yeah. I just feel like th- he's not retaining that knowledge from the time he saw his dad do it once when he was six. Also, I mean, the, the idea that you don't the, think room would remember... the room full of twenty year olds the room through full of twenty year olds all know all of the words to Great Balls of Fire is just like a little bit hard for me to get behind. Yeah. But I mean, they, you don't and they think also their favorite songs remember... in the Box are eighties songs. Like these are all kids that were born yeah. in the early two thousands. Yeah. And they're like, oh, but my favorite song is Danger Zone. Unless the only way this is a point my wife pointed out, he probably not only saw that thing when his dad was young, but he also probably saw Top Gun. So he probably remembers yeah. all that stuff from watching the movie. As but a kid. you don't
1: think he would remember literally the last time he saw his dad alive, like the, the last the,
0: memory the, he has yeah, he of his like, father? Wow, dad was playing a song, but would he remember uh, the words? I don't yeah. buy it. But You're, I mean, um, picking yeah. Alex's nitpick. <laughs> Look, this is a fun thing for me. Well, Tim, Tim, this is just for you. Then no one else is going to care about this. But I hate a I hate when a movie shows people playing pool and they do a series of illegal shots. Yeah, I hear that. No one else cares, but there's like there's a combo shot that is like not in the game. You not in any game is that a legal shot? You've just done. Well, People are really ignorant
2: of the rules of eight ball. I yeah. find, and that's I, the most it's common game true. people play. But also the thing that bugs me more, even though I love it, is when somebody plays pool and every single shot they do is a trick shot yeah right that's exactly the same thing
3: you guys I set enjoy up on a bar it, pool table it, so you could do a lot
0: stupid. of do yeah. a lot of caroms you could do a lot of yeah. hopping yeah yeah if <laughs> you play eight ball if you're playing eight ball and you're doing a lot of three ball bank sh- uh, combo shots you are yeah. playing wrong but i mean that
2: is kind of the essence of films right i'm sure if you got a actual fighter pilot or an actual Navy SEAL to talk to you about any movie that gets made, they would be like, yeah, this is 1% of 1% of what we do. And it's heightened up to a 10. Yeah. Um, and that is presented as though that's their every day when in reality, I'm mostly making PowerPoints. Right. And I'm mostly <laughs> giving budget, uh, uh, talks and yeah. my life is a lot very, of meetings, very, you know, not nearly as exciting as some of this really hyped up stuff. So that's the nature of all film. You that's know? a good that
0: that is a good point. It is more damaging, I think, when you make it seem like uh being a Navy SEAL is super fun than when you make pool seem like it's hard but you're good at it. Um, well it's
2: everything. Everything yeah. in,
0: in a film is
2: designed to be as visually entertaining as possible. And the outcome of that is a lot of times we have scenes and events and things that don't quite match up to reality. But because it's the same across the board, we just accept it. And the people yeah. who get really confused by it tend to be children, but they grow up
0: eventually. So I will. So this is okay. almost a, this is almost a nitpick. It's actually like more of a real cr- concern, but it's so minor compared to what we're going to talk about. But I do think John Hamm is too nice. I had a hard time buying John Ham, the being guy who's angry. the massive asshole in this movie. Yeah, I just did not buy no. him as the massive asshole the whole time. I was like, oh, but he seems so charming. Mm. You don't really believe this, John. That's how I felt. Well, can I tell he you? He was the um, only person that I felt was slightly miscast. Was just like John is like he's just too friendly for this mean military boss. I mean, so <laughs> I mean, kind of. You don't the, think the... Anthony? You didn't think that? I'm surprised.
1: No, I mean, I think he's pretty good in the role. I think everyone is really cast in this sort of small roles, and as the asshole, you know, the bureaucracy of this movie, right? Well, I, and like the kind of step back and kind of get how I sort of get past the sort of jingoistic rah rah go. Well, Air no, I Force want to talk about that things, later. Right? I want to get into but no, that no, later. I want to get. Let's, into, let's into, focus but, on the movie thing. Well, I do want to talk about the movie thing and why I think this movie, what works so well for this, me for this movie, and what I think makes this movie so good is that this movie is clearly not about pilots, right? This is a movie about Tom Cruise and his place in Hollywood and the types of movies he makes. <laughs> right? I mean that this isn't even like the <laughs> Okay, okay, this is, is no no this meta, is good. I, tell me more. This is literally analysis. the yeah. subtext of this movie. What this movie is about. Okay, so the like the opening sequence is Tom Cruise um uh Maverick, you know, he is He has not gone up in his career. He is still doing the same thing he has done forever, right? And in Tom Cruise's case, being an action star. He hasn't gone on to write movies. He hasn't gone on direct movies. He produces movies, but he makes his movies that he makes. He is an actor and an action guy, and that's what he makes, right? And he's the whole opening sequence of this movie is about him pushing – um, what human beings can do in planes or in movies, right, to the limit. Mm, and a bureaucrat okay, okay. comes up and literally tells him, we are cutting you, you are no longer relevant, we're going to have computers do what you do, and we right. will not ever need you again, right. right? And he gets into this whole scene with Ed Harris's character in the office, when they're literally talking, it's a scene, you can imagine it in a Hollywood boardroom, him talking to a head of a studio, and it would be the exact same scene. And the scene ends with him saying, you're irrelevant. We don't need you anymore. You're going to go away. And Tom Cruise looks at him and says, that may be true, but not today. Right. And then the rest of this movie. So so I I
0: like this. I like this. I do feel like it's weird when and to, the thing we're talking about later, which is like in the context of the movie, it's like we're going to replace you fighter pilots with drones. And he, so his point is like, I still want to do killing, but with that human touch. Um, yeah, it's but, not the drone. It's the pilot. We all know this, pilot. right? But <laughs> the – but which also is it – okay. But anyway, um, but the, the th- one thing about that – I like that analysis. I think it's good. And I think Tom Cruise makes a compelling case for himself in this. This is also the plot of a lot of movies with older people in them, where, like, like, two James Bonds ago, the whole point of the movie was, like, is James Bond still relevant in 2018 yes. or whatever? And the answer Sky to I that found, was, yeah. like, their point was yes, and the answer, I think, watching it was no. And this makes a better case that the answer is yes, because he does a Because, like, you're you're speaking my language with a lot of these things. Like, I hate computer generated stuff in movies it takes me out it drives me crazy and you can feel the difference when he's in a 500 million dollar war machine for real like it it feels better it's more exciting i like that tom cruise is probably gonna die doing a stunt i think that's cool to watch like he cares that much for us just like in the movie where he's like willing to go to 10.2 mocks which might die like just to make it more exciting i like all of that I do think I've seen that done a lot of times, but just like you were saying with other deep sequels, this one like pulls it off in a way that other movies don't, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this movie is, like I said, it's
0: it's very, very smart in the fact that it being a legacy sequel.
1: But I do think that that's a big part of what made what makes this movie work so well for me and why I do think it's actually so good. So I think Tom Cruise does recognize and truly resonate with what this message is and yeah. the way he sees what his place in Hollywood and his legacy is, right? And he really put that on the screen in an interesting way. I also like, I really like the way, I'm just going to kind of gush about a few things besides sort of just the amazing action, the amazing um, cinematography and stuff. I really like the way that like Tom Cruise is a lot more vulnerable in this than he is, in, like let's say something like the Mission Impossible movies, and like Ethan Hunt's whole thing is like he can literally do anything. He's a perfect yeah. competent man. Yeah, uh, he's, he's he's the ultimate real. short king, right? Yeah, he's five <laughs> foot one, and he'll fucking fuck anyone up.
0: Ethan Hunt, uh, ultimate short king.
1: Yeah, but in this movie, I like the fact that like he cries a lot. There's like multiple scenes of him crying. There's a scene. There's a great gag about that you referenced earlier about when he he goes on a boat and they're like, "You don't know how to work a boat. You've been in the navy for thirty years." And he's like, right. no, I don't know how boats work." All right, yeah, and yeah. I We're love yeah. that is such a clever joke to realize <laughs> and to capitalize on, um, and then to like show like a vulnerability in this character that he's not like great at everything. He's great at one specific thing. So it's, it is, like, I really like the way he plays a very different character than what we get with, like, the Ethan Hunts normally yeah, in this movie. I agree with that. Even though it's a lot of the same stuff. Um, I think all that I, stuff is I, great.
0: Look, I think across the board, and this you've helped a lot with this, I do think Tom Cruise is very good. And I think he's done some I, – I think – where he uses his money is not good that he's given no. most of it to cults and to Im- in- imprison uh, young actresses. But I do think that uh, he's a very good actor and he is very enjoyable on screen and he still can totally pull off a shirtless football scene. Like the dude, the dude's got it. You're right. The cruise yeah. missile doesn't miss. That I, I think, yeah, I think it's awesome. He's a short King. You you, you got me on that. Yeah. Um, I will also say a great thing about watching this movie during the COVID era is if you wear a mask that goes over both your ears and you take off one of the ears to eat popcorn, you look just like he does when he takes (laughs) off half of his mask to talk into the radio while he's a fighter pilot. So you get to feel like you're a pilot. It's a very fun game.
1: Yeah, I also, Um, in my seat, I go... Yeah, yeah, all the time, yeah. Um, You know, uh, when he...
2: Before he created his own production studio, he was told you can't, you know... to. What you're talking about, he was told, you can't do these action scenes. You can't do these stunts yourself. It's too expensive for us to pay the insurance for you because you're a huge star. And he only created his own production company because he was willing to pay the insurance premiums for himself to do his own stunts.
0: Oh, interesting. And
2: when he broke his ankle on the last um, Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. A movie, uh, jumping from a building. The scene where he jumps and bre- broke his ankle is the is the shot they used, and they had to shut down production for w- for weeks so that he could heal his broken ankle. This guy's almost sixty years old, or might yeah. yeah. even be sixty. I mean,
1: action god! What? Yeah. And uh, Alex, did you yeah. see the um, amazing? Uh,
0: he sixty two. He is. He is exactly sixty. Wow, Tim.
1: Yeah. He Alex turned
0: 62 weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. Did but you anybody see the... else would
2: have just been like, okay, I guess I can't do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. This guy funds his own. this guy says no. And, and it's, I, you hear stories about him being like, you know, uh, we have this, we have the stunt coordinator and I told him this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to climb this building, this sheer building. And the stunt coordinator says, you can't do that. It's too dangerous. And he's like, okay, well, you're fired. I'm going to go find a stunt coordinator yeah. who will let me do this. And then he does it for the movie. And you could argue about whether or not that's a good idea. Yeah,
0: it makes me but, feel a little queasy when you say it that way.
2: Sure. But, I mean, the guy, its it would be worse if he was putting somebody else's life in danger. But the fact Probably. that he's mm-hmm. willing to do it,
1: I mean. yeah well, And you see from like behind the scenes there. stuff. The way he like he talks to the crew. It isn't with like a patronizing way. It isn't with like an egotistical way. It is with a like we are going to do something incredibly dangerous, incredibly tough. You are the best of the best. And like the way he is like so detail oriented. I mean, he is literally going to space with a lunatic director named Doug Lyman, who's famous for having messy productions. But, like, the, he is planning to film something in space soon, right? Um, I mean, but did you see at uh, your screening the introduction video from Tom Cruise no. right before this movie? You didn't get no. that? No. So that what did he, he say? Well, it's it was in front of most screenings. Every Both screenings I saw had this.
0: And at my theater, we had I, it. I just, so, but, so my favorite theater to go to is this one in Koreatown where it's um, uh, subtitled in Korean. And a lot of the trailers are Korean. Um, both because it's like a, it's a nice theater, it's close to me, and also because it is almost always empty. So you said yours were like packed screenings. Yeah. I intentionally found a screening where I was one of four people in the theater because I feel safe that way, yeah. and I have a good time when I can pick my seat easily. So anyway, I, but so I had a different set of. I'm sure I saw several movie uh, trailers you did not see because they were entirely in Korean. Anyway, uh, continue, please. Every other screening a Top Gun, if you went to go see
1: it. It opens with a little Tom Cruise in a chair talking to the audience. He basically says, like, hey, thank you guys so much for coming back to the movies. Um, We made this for you, right? This is—we're doing this for your entertainment. And and he thanks you guys. Thanks, everyone. And, like, with anyone else, that would sound so, like, hollow and empty and, like, just something you have to say. But when you look at the things that Tom Cruise is actually doing and pitting himself through and the way he wants— the spectacle to be there. He wants people to be like amazed by what they're seeing and like be remembered, like remember what film and a theatrical experience can be like. It feels, it may be misguided. It may be dumb. It may be like a little vain, like very vain on top of that. But I genuinely do believe that when he is like, I'm going to pilot a helicopter and I'm going to do fly through this thing for Mission Impossible, or I'm actually going to be in the back of these planes for this movie, he really does think, we need to give people a show. People are going to spend their hard-earned money to see yeah. this, and we need to give them something, which I think, like I said, that may be misguided, yeah. but you yeah. see so many movies in which you feel you, no one on set thinks about that, or gives a shit. Like, so yeah. many movies you see are like, look, they're fucking pigs. They're gonna love this shit, all right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> slop it up, give, you sloppy fuckers. Give the animals their fucking slop, right? Yeah, yeah. You see, you you can feel that from so much, but you don't I get can. that with Cruise Productions, right? I and agree. I think that I is like something's commendable about that.
0: Okay, yeah. so, so I, I, I we I think we've I done agree. a good job of, of of gushing now. I want one me- medium thing, and then we're gonna talk about my issue, um, and that. Tim is going to be able to participate more in because he he knows more about this than he has knows about the movie he hasn't seen. But uh, the uh, one one question I have for you, Anthony, the mission that this is all centered around, the Impossible the trench Mission, run? if you will, the Trench Run is just Star Wars Trench Run. Yes, like the mission is almost like you have to run through a narrow canyon hit a ventilation shaft and then pull up really hard yeah. and if you and the bad guys who are wearing all black helmets in their little tie fighters also you the only way you can pull it off is if your instruments fail is to trust your instincts like they just wrote star wars with real planes right yeah. like that's not I'm not the only one who noticed. That was just no, Star no. Warsy. Yes, it's everyone noticed it. It's just the trench one. But what I what I love
1: about it is I think that but the guy, one... Like the
0: bad guys from the generic country definitely yeah. look a lot like Darth Vader's TIE Fighter mini. Oh, yeah, too. for like sure. It's so just the black Star Star Wars-y.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is very, very Star Wars-y, but I think that's, again, like kind of pivotal because what I really love about the whole final act of this movie... like I think this movie is really, really good, but I think... Um, from the beginning of the mission to the end, it is a non-stop roller coaster ride, unlike any movie I have seen in years. It's just one of it's it's like Mad Max Fury Road, kind of that way. It just like once the real shit starts, it just does not stop, and it constantly keeps being more and more inventive. But I really like the way they really make it. It's a very simple idea, um, but they really drive it home. You really understand every single part of what they're doing. And then the movie then swerves on you. Cause that's only yeah. like three minutes long. And then you get like another 20 minutes of shit going wrong. Right. But I think yeah, that, that's like, true. by making it the trench run, something everyone knows, it really helps with the shorthand of understanding the geography of what they're doing. It allows, like, I think my favorite thing before the end is when Tom Cruise, who, who, Apparently, it's very easy just to be like, hey, I'm going to get
0: in this plane and do this thing. Is that OK? Well, I like mean, no that's an important him. lesson of like if you're at you know, if you're at a place of business and there's a lot going on and you just move confidently, people will not question you. Yeah, it's not who's going to let just you. you just jog, especially if you're jogging, you, right? people are going to be like, oh, yeah, he probably works here.
1: Yeah, um, but like that sequence when he proves to them that it's possible is yeah. so fucking hype. It's so yeah. exciting yeah um, but then yeah, the final thing is basically the trench run with a huge pull out at the end. yeah, um, and um it's just okay. it's so well done. It's so like
0: okay. unlike anything I've seen in a while. It's great. so now I, I want to talk about the military, you supposed leftist. so I agree with you, incredible film. What a great time. If we didn't live on earth, I would totally feel that. but I do feel like like when he crashes a plane to demonstrate the mission that one plane could have ended homelessness in a major city and like and and the fact that this is so carefully coordinated to show only things that are positive for them they're not you know what you notice they're never in an f-35 strike fighter at any part in this in this because it's a billion dollar trillion dollar debacle they're like oh that doesn't don't worry about that we only use the one that is cool and we know is profitable like you guys love this plane we'll use this plane like all of the stuff, the way the military has carefully crafted this movie to be mm-hmm. like an ad for the military really bothers me. And I, yeah. I can't help but feeling watching this that like they they took our money to go kill people and then they took more of our money to make an advertisement for how much fun it is to kill people. And then they charged us money to watch that ad it feels a little dystopian. It feels a little gross watching an ad, having to pay for an ad for a thing that I already paid for and wish I didn't have to. Like, I mean, so we've also mentioned some other things that are especially egregious in this. I think like they are fighting a country that never gets a name where they cover every inch of skin so you can't see them or make any judgments about all of them. But this supposed country is big enough to have an Air Force and a Uranium re- Enrichment Program. So this strike, whatever what they're doing, definitely illegal we're doing international crimes in this movie uh also where we don't see anybody at all when they die they just disappear into puffs of smoke so we don't have to worry about any any of those deaths but then we see the the americans high-fiving and bragging over who's done more killing in their lives so far like the high-five at the end is supposed to be like this most triumphant part where they're like I have two kills now. I have well, five. Suck it. Well, it's to be so fair, we're so talking disgusting. about shooting shooting down planes.
1: This movie makes a very good, very big point that you always see all the pilots
0: eject and get parachuted down. The bad down. pilots? Yes. The, every no, single certainly one not in it. the helicopter. The bad helicopter blows the fuck Well, the fuck bad out.
1: helicopter gets blown up, yes. But all the then other you pilots... helicopter. Everybody
2: yeah. In the helicopter Hey, you're already in
0: a fucking <laughs> helicopter. You're probably going to die anyway, dude. Helicopters are <laughs> fucked
2: up, man.
1: Helicopters yeah. Are, yeah. are very, very dangerous.
0: Yeah. i believe if i if I remember correctly Tim, your father has been in a navy helicopter crash before uh no my uh my uh
2: grandpa was
1: your
0: grandpa he, was uh, yeah.
2: and he survived it, he jumped out
0: before yeah. everybody else. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. helicopters well, are like
1: both- elevators right if you yeah. jump right before the ending you're yeah. okay oh, that
0: probably does work yeah. both Tim and I's dads were in the navy which I think is relevant to this yeah. when we are a little bit anti-military if that's where yeah. you're going to go as well also the fact that like the 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 motto of the movie of his training in the military is just don't think about it like don't think you're thinking you mm. shouldn't be thinking just go do the thing just go execute the mission don't think is like really disgusting and dystopian to me, and yeah. I wish—I mean, I like—I—I I don't know if I wish. I cannot get rid of all of that while I'm watching it. I thought I might yeah. be able to. There were parts when they were playing football with two footballs, and they were all shirtless uh, on the beach. I was like, "Hey, what a good time!" Uh, I'm feeling no bad things about this, and I don't—I don't think football is okay. But, but I—this was just, like the—the the way they—the way they hid the—the the people. The the nameless enemy who's gonna like they're gonna do this thing that'll kill everybody in the world, so we obviously have to. And then like just just the constant military propaganda for two hours. And the one downside to my uh, cool Koreatown theater is that when you walk out the door of the theater, right across the street at twelve o'clock is a military recruitment station for the Marines. Mm-hmm. It feels
1: dystopian it purpose, and gross. Sure.
0: Yeah. So that's that's it's how cool I movie
1: feel. though. i mean no i i I agree with all those things i mean i think that this i mean this kind of goes with the you know my sort of like talking about us and the sort of like the the what it's like to be an american right i think that there's a lot of things that are gross there's a lot of things that we actively participate in right and i think that like we all have to draw a line somewhere and I absolutely get it. Like this movie is too far for you to yeah. me. I was able to abstract enough. And like, to me, this movie is very, it's very much like watching a uh, military anime, right? It's this movie is very anime, right? It's just, well, it's I agree. And if it a had been animated, I animation. think I would have felt nothing. Um, yeah.
0: And I think that, but, but, like, so okay. I like, I think I totally agree with that. In in, in, in uh, But I also think with that, given how fucked up everything is, if something rises to the level of giving me heartburn while I'm watching it mm. as an entertainment thing, I mean, I could have go, I could put the same money into seeing Marcel the Shell with shoes on and mm. not had to be part of that the same way. Like, I feel if if it if, if you can get to the part where it feels dystopian in a world where almost everything feels dystopian all the time and yeah, this is still this is notably from dystopian? a guy
1: who's been to a spacex launch right talking to me about shit that feels dystopian and how like this movie is <laughs> this bad is so but, like,
0: than that taking photos future of... human potential to space that there is not with how fun it is yeah. to kill people in wars yeah, kill people mining asteroids. It's just as good. It's better, <laughs> I right? Think there's more yeah, stuff I, there. I yeah. do think. Okay, um, Tim. Here's what I want for, want to talk to you about, though, because I know you've been thinking about this a lot. Um, what does it take? Like, what is the level that the military is involved in something like this? This is not a thing that the Navy was just like. Oh yeah. um, Oh, you want to make a movie about us? Dope. We'll come see it. <laughs> so, um, like I said, I haven't seen the movie. I'd
2: probably yep. be better. To analyze uh, something like um, Avengers Endgame, because that's more what the thing I'm writing is yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Which is what we're talking but, about
0: next week. So I want you to—I do want you to talk about that a little too. Yeah, sure. Or even just um, talk about it now—that would work.
2: Sure, uh, but let me ask you some questions. So. Yeah. They use fighter planes in mm-hmm. this movie, I assume. Yeah, a lot of them, yep. And there's probably a aircraft carrier. Aircraft carrier, type. yep. Well, imagine what it would cost to rent an aircraft carrier for a film <laughs> or, or uh, those so planes, you know? I, what,
0: what is an aircraft carrier? It's like 10,000 employees on it at a given time? Oh um, man, it's a lot, but yeah, is expensive. Yeah. The point I'm getting to is that uh, military equipment
2: and locations are prohibitively expensive for even the most successful uh, film studio. So in order to make any movies that are about a real military using real military equipment, um, you pretty much need to partner up with the DOD to do it. And if you partner up with the DOD, they pretty much can dictate to you their terms. And if you violate their terms and say, no, my script, my story, uh, they say, okay, well, good luck. And they send you on your way. That famously happened with platoon, um, which is a, a film about, um, the Vietnam war and the DOD was going to help them with it but they couldn't get script clearance they couldn't get they mm. they didn't approve of the script because the the Pentagon said this is too anti-Vietnam this is this is portraying american service members in an unfl- too unflattering of a light and so they wouldn't lend their help they wouldn't lend their equipment and they're under under no obligation to do so sure. and so uh You know, uh, Oliver Stone got to make Platoon the way he wanted, um, but not with the help of the Department of Defense. I feel like if you were like, can I use your
0: apartment to make a movie about what a piece of shit you are? I'd be like, I don't feel like I'm going to let you use my bedroom for that. Uh, I get that. Even if, as is the case with Platoon, I had been that big of a piece of shit. Totally. Mm. Even maybe more so if it's accurate. Yeah, totally. So, um, And, you know, Vietnam was
2: probably the most... Uh, unpopular war America's ever fought. So mm-hmm. if there was ever a time that the Pentagon was going to be okay with a little bit of uh, criticism, it would have been then. Um, yeah. But they're not. They're not open to that kinds of
1: those kinds of criticisms. Not big and on feedback. The, the whole. Well, I mean, it's it's funny that like this also happened with the first Avengers movie, right? So mm-hmm. the first one, the military was not happy with the way they were shown in the script. So they pulled funding and support from the first Avengers. But after the Avengers became this huge blockbuster thing, right, they started to become like, uh, oh, well, we understand the reach is so much bigger. So they were able to, like, forgive the fact that, like, for, these superheroes were the heroes and not for, the, people. for the, the Joss Whedon Avengers Yeah, the movie? Joss Whedon one. They had to. They didn't, like, I believe it was the helicarriers that they wanted to use because they were so unrealistic to what the military has the military mm-hmm. wanted like a more realistic one oh. so they pulled yeah. support for the first one but they very <laughs> quickly and by the time we get the miss marvel which is like straight yeah. up an ad for the air force yeah. right well um, i was gonna talk about a uh, captain yeah. marvel
2: was was there was actually a uh for captain marvel and for X uh, x-men first class they had a dual um promotional video that was designed to try and get new recruits it was a recruiting video that edited shots of the movie scenes from the movie with uh you know military personnel and the things that they do so i mean this this relationship is between hollywood and the dod has been well documented for over a hundred years of different projects that are used to uh facilitate their their mutual ends. You know, the yeah. movie wants to look as good as it can, as authentic as it can, um, for as least amount of money. And the Pentagon and the DOD wants to increase recruitment and uh servicemen retention and, you know, be public relations for both Americans and abroad to, to put forth this idea that Americans are the good guys.
1: Yeah. And yeah. when you
2: see an American soldier, don't think of them as the bad guy.
1: I just, right? yeah, like just Ryan just on Amazon prime, right. Oh, that yeah. is made in conjunction with the CIA. Mm-hmm. Like the CIA gives them a bunch of access so that they can help rehabilitate their
0: image. Right. Right. I, um, I mean, Just the fact that there is a person in the Pentagon who is in charge of image feels dystopian to me. Like the fact that there's like a, what's our, the PR for the military just seems so gross. (laughs) Alex, you use the word dystopian a lot. And I'm wondering what the
2: opposite of it is, is utopian, but there's no such thing as utopia. So this is just the world and it is the way the world has been forever. And I I hate it.
1: Have you guys heard? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Alex. I just took. I, I, I get welcome on a word the I get excited about the word. Yeah. Uh, welcome. I'm glad you're finally here. Uh, I mean, you are hanging more out.
0: for the Navy than you are for the resistance today. Oh, uh, uh, hey, fuck you, buddy. All right. The, I I uh, <laughs>
1: not stand for so much slander. All right. The, uh, I, uh here's, here's all my credentials in the question. You okay, fucking okay. prick.
2: Okay. Here, here's um, another one for you, Alex. You'll love. Yeah. is the uh technical advisor on this film uh that you're talking about mm-hmm. uh Top Gun Maverick became a fighter pilot as a direct result of seeing the first top Gun
0: well yeah. this so this is what I've felt with it like so, it's it's yeah. I don't like I don't like that this exists that the military does this that they have this office that they participate in this and that Hollywood is part of it that mm. that's bad but it hurts the most when the movie is good yeah like I don't <laughs> Care with jack ryan because no one is joining the cia because of that piece of shit amazon show like they could be they could be, be yeah. i'm they, sure somebody sure. is but you may, yeah you're not you're not winning as many people into the military with ms marvel but this yeah. movie and the first one make flying planes look hella fun and is it is flying planes dog not fighting. hella fun i you, mean well, that's okay.
1: my thing like it's
0: I mean As it's mostly for me true. it it seems it actually would it's actually quite quite unpleasant for me I get motion sick, but I do feel like this movie makes it seem really fun to shoot down people whose faces you can't see, and yeah. that is a bother and well, so that
2: goes that that I'm glad you bring that up because yeah. it's the uh for me, the thing that I really um I don't have a problem with portraying um uh, American service members in a positive light. Um, I have a problem with with exclusive with only portraying them in a positive light across right. every possible film that Hollywood or anyone else could ever make. Right, because yeah. I don't like I don't like any message to be that ubiquitous. I don't like anything to be that homogenized. Right. I think that the diversity of point of view and perspective is good for culture. Right. Yes but if the deal is if you want to make a movie uh that has this equipment you have to show us in a positive light or else we're not going to give you access to it i think that's a fair deal i understand why the dod wants to portray themselves in the most positive light possible i get that i get that they see it as a national security interest i think all of that is fair the issue that i run into For me, and the thing I'm afraid of culturally, is that whenever violence is done in film, it's typically either done in a ultra-violent, extremely graphic, cartoonish way, like in Kill Bill, which is great or it's it done in a totally bloodless way as in the marvel films where it's pg or pg-13 so, Yeah, this was
0: pg-13 wasn't it yeah we're yeah. seeing
2: we're seeing <sighs> acts of violence and acts of state-sanctioned uh, violence that's not at all muddied or complicated by the fact that there is a human being experiencing pain or not coming home to their family yeah and again that's okay if it's you know, one out of 10 movies, two out of 10 movies, but when 99% of the movies that we are showing to people all contain the same message that violence doesn't hurt. um, That's something that I have a problem with. And, you know, it it first occurred to me when I watched uh, the Narnia 2 movie, this guy <laughs> impales this bad guy oh, yeah. with a sword, and he pulls his sword out, and there's no blood. There's not one trace of blood on the silver, pristine right. sword. Yeah. And I remember thinking, you know, the this guy, this prince is clean he's as clean as his sword even though he just killed somebody and right. the message is he's not going to be racked with guilt he's not going to have nightmares about this moment he's okay he's justified and that justification cleans the sword as he impales this guy and yeah. that's the problem i have with it yeah. where i've like the thing i glom on to is the way that we have john wick going around killing people like it's Absolutely nothing, which I love those movies, yeah. but the bloodlessness, the relative bloodlessness of it, uh, that's what kind of horrifies me not on a on a political level, but just on a on a cultural level.
0: yeah, you know? I, I yeah. think that's such a good point. and I think the f- <clears throat> combining the fact that it's harmless, it seems harmless and there's no repercussions for the people. Mm-hmm. and it seems like if you want to live in a video game, join the military that together feels like dangerous to me societally. Yeah. And it I feels mean, like, like the guy who was involved with this because he was, he got, he watched that first movie. Like that's not a bad ending for him. All things considered. I'm kind of glad he went full circle. Yeah. There are other people who joined because of this that don't have as happy of an ending that like yeah. have, have, yeah have uh, like' were exposed to burn pits and have yes. long-term health problems because of it like right. that have that certainly are going to be in therapy forever are they going to have trouble with the VA forever or, like,
2: yeah. or or more to the point should be in therapy forever, should be won't and will suffer and their family will suffer as a result of that see, because it's not
1: like everybody gets the help they always need that gives right? kind of like my feelings on it which is like I think that relative to the atrocities and the industrialized sort of like school to military pipeline and the helplessness and all the all the things that the military does between rapid spending, covering up a rampant abuse, horrible yep. uses of state power across the board, all of that stuff to me is so much worse than like a movie that pits them on it, pits them in a good light, right? Like I think that sure. the movie to me is like a symptom that I can easily kind of just enjoy and forgive because Mm. the actual atrocities are happening somewhere else. And I think that if this movie... Like I said, I have all the same complicated feelings you do, right? It it really sucks that I like this movie so much, but I can sort of justify (laughs) it to myself when I look at, like... When you look at a lot of other military propaganda movies that especially portray, like, Middle Eastern people a certain way or portray... Mm -hmm whatever the enemy is, a certain way. So many military movies go out of the way to push her from harmful stereotypes, really shitty um, ideology about different countries and the way the villains work. But, I mean, also at the same time, if you look, step back and look at just American movies in general, right? Most movie screenwriters and directors are rich millionaires who are invested in keeping the system how it is, right? That's why most movies have Like the bad guys who are might have a valid point, but they have to go so far. And at the end of the day, the state is still usually the hero, right? Like, or a hero within the state is going to change it and make things better, right? Like, there's all types of problems with our media. And I think that for like, to me, like, this woman can have problems, but I can still like enjoy it for what it is. And then, like, kind of like just be like, at least this was like a very refreshing, unique thing that I can be like, yeah, the, the um the military branch and military spending are out of control and it's horrible the things they do. But like, like I said, we got one good movie out of it. That is at least one good thing they made compared to like that shitty bad plane you mentioned or the V twenty two Osprey, which costs like twenty times this movie and it's killed yeah. dozens of crews. You know. Yeah. But yeah, There's do, also yeah. I was just going to say just randomly speaking about people showing you in view lights. Have you guys um. You guys know what the rules for showing iPhones in movies is? No. A villain cannot use an iPhone. Oh, that's funny. This is true. Apple will give you phones to use in your movie, use in your show, but a villain cannot use an iPhone. That makes so much
2: sense because that's why when Thanos called his minions in, they blurred it. Because he was using an iPhone. Yeah.
1: Or, like, um, the way so I now. learned about this was in, uh, in Knives Out. They all use yeah. iPhones, except for Chris Evans' character. Oh, that was a giveaway. Oh, and man, it was, it's a, like it a was a green bubble, so you yeah. knew he did it. And that was, Ryan Johnson said, like, if you know the way this works, you will know he's the villain. Oh, because that's funny. Apple's rules are, you can use our phones. But the bad guys cannot use when iPhones. all
0: you need to do is open like the Wall Street Journal and you'll see like all the villains are using iPhones all the time. Oh, That's yeah. So funny. Um, I had no I, idea. My that only thing that sense, I can though. add to that is that when I was on the set of Portlandia towards the end, um, they were like at one point handing out phones for everybody to hold. And the prop guy was like, oh, yeah, you just tell them you're making a TV show and you'll just get a box of 200 iPhones to just make sure you're always holding an iPhone forever. That it will be so, they're so fast and so, like, so easy to deal with to get you phones that you, it like doesn't even make sense to use another phone in your movie because you just, like, you start production and there's a box of phones waiting already. It'll just always wow. be ready. Yeah. You get a lot of iPhones. Um, That's okay. crazy. We have, we have to start wrapping up uh, right. on this. Um, we are going into Avengers Endgame next week, uh, Tim. Yeah. What else am I looking for in Endgame? What am I watching for? What are the things that like where the military like has its footprints most clearly?
2: Well, I mean, with Endgame, you—I don't think that they partnered with the DOD for Endgame because I don't think there's any. um, I don't think they use any military equipment. It's Mm -hmm. all you know sci-fi stuff. Um, So more, you're looking for uh, you're looking for visual symbols, things like Captain America and his stars and stripes. You're looking at. what is the language of the film saying? Like, how are the bad guys portrayed? How are the good guys portrayed? Usually you see, uh, the good guys using, um, a primary colors palette, you know, they're, they're dressed in brighter colors and they, they look more heroic and the bad guys are all just kind of like, you've seen it. They're all gray and they're all kind of faceless monsters. Um, for me, I had, I think, a similar moment to you in watching this movie when I watched Endgame because I loved it. On one hand, I loved a lot about it. But on the other hand, I was like, oh, this is just like a war movie at the end. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've already seen it.
0: Yeah. I have. Uh, you have? Yeah. Okay. So there's one. But I don't one... like, as you know, I don't like comic books at all. Comic book movies. Sure, at all.
2: sure. Well, there's one casualty of war on the good guy's side. In the battle, there's another one earlier in the film, but in the battle, there's one casualty of war and, uh, he is given the dignity of a recognition of his sacrifice. He's given a hero's farewell. He's, he's given Mm. everything you would ever want if you were to die for a greater cause. Right. And he's the only one who dies. Everybody else is protected by plot armor. Nobody dies in the last conflict you know and except for him and he's given uh as much he's basically sainted at the end and uh the thing that i noticed about that is that if you apply that to the military they're basically saying fight for us it'll be for a good cause the hurting the bad guys will not hurt you psychologically at all um you will It'll be, it'll be exciting, it'll be fun, it'll be honorable, and you probably won't die, but on the very off outside chance that you do, you yeah. will be given a hero's farewell for the ages. And that is kind of the, uh, the meta message of how we look at war in general in the United States. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah, it would have been a better film in my opinion, if more characters that you liked would have died
1: to show you really the cost yeah. of uh, of war in battle, you know, you can't sell toys for dead people, though, can you? <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to
2: ask Scar- Scarlett Johansson what her uh, what her uh... her toys Well, toy that's dealers. another thing is they uh. they put out her movie after her character was already dead. I mean. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So what you're saying is, uh, to come back to what we talked about earlier, uh, Hollywood has done Scarlett Joe a little wrong. Oh, absolutely. They should have made, they should
2: have done, maybe not a trilogy, but like a one-off for her, and it should have been like John Wick. It should have been a straight-up spy movie, rated R, do it right. Instead, they just, they they made a less interesting, typical Marvel movie. I mean, I didn't mind that movie as much, but uh, what I wanted with Scarlett Johansson to do her, uh her, uh her crotch judo on everybody and <laughs> and headshot motherfuckers in the yeah. face?
1: That's what I wanted. It's, yeah. it's hard to feel bad for Scarlett Johansson, Joe, because she loves to like say wildly tone touch tone deaf things, and she's like true. married to Colin Jost, which is like yeah, the worst uh, war, worst war a crime that yeah, yeah, the yeah. military
0: has ever done. This is a very is, good point. Uh, be married Scar- to that. Scar- Joe has also done herself dirty. That's a good point. Uh, um, um, all right. Well, we're going to wrap now. We'll talk more about this next week. We're set up perfectly for Avengers Endgame. Just a quick reminder that you can watch us watch that movie if you're so inclined uh, at 4pm Pacific time on Tuesday the... What do we say? It was the 9th? The 9th. Tuesday the 9th. 4pm 4, uh, 4 Pacific. We're going to watch the movie on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Turtles. Um, which you, you don't have to remember all those words. We'll also post about it on our social. Um, that's next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. This has been uh, another fun bonus episode where we get get by. Ezra's done with vacations next week, and we'll be back to join us, and Hunter will be finished with his tour. Um, I look forward to having them back, but thank you for holding down the fort, Tim. It was great chatting with you. Hey, thanks for having me. People can find you on Twitter, at Tim Dufresne. Um, is that, is that your Is that your best place? What's your best thing?
2: I don't... You. do anything.
0: I don't okay, really you don't think. do anything. Um, yeah. When your movie comes out, I'll tell everyone to see it. Um, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> we'll work on that. Um, and you can find Anthony. Uh, also, he doesn't do much on Twitter, but he's there. Thanks for being here, Anthony. Hey, this is a lot of fun. I love you guys. You can pass along know. any compliments <laughs> to Tim or Anthony podcast at read com. That's where you can send us an email and we will all, uh, I will pass along to anybody because I'm the one who checks the email. All right, we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Hey